Thanks so much for being here. Let's close in prayer and go to the beach. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it is so, so good to see you here. It's such a blessing. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but week's kind of uh, shrunken. It seems like yesterday that we met, and here, here it is, another Sunday morning. It's so good to be with you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming and worshiping our Lord uh, together with us as, as we can just enjoy each other's company and enjoy the very wonderful Word of God that uh, our Lord has given to us so that we might understand Him, know Him, and really get to feel comfortable with who we are in our faith. There's not a, not, a, not a one of us here will be the same as far as how we walk with Christ. It's a, it's a wonderful privilege that we have to walk with Him in our, our own personal integrity and in our own obedience and, and just to love Him. And there are certain things in the Bible that are, are difficult to understand. There are certain things in the Bible that uh, for others it's just a, no, no problem whatsoever. And we was talking with uh, Dorothy in the kitchen this, earlier this morning about how certain things uh, will, will trouble one person and, and you look at them and say, that's nothing, just get over it. And, and for, for, the, for the one that's going through it, it's not just a get over it kind of moment. It, it is a moment that we go through. And, and, and you need to realize that within our faith. Peter, I think, is understanding this so clearly as you, would you turn with me, please, to 1 Peter chapter 1? We're going to look at just two verses this morning because 1 Peter tackles uh, some of the deeper theolo- doctrinal problems within Scripture immediately. He talks us immediately through our security of our faith. Uh, that, for me, when I first came to Christ, just for your information, was a, was a difficult one. I, I didn't feel like I, uh, that I would always be saved. That, that, was a, that was a hard premise for me. I, I felt like I had to do something to earn God's favor, and I had to keep on doing it. And uh, that was a, a wrestling match with me that I, uh, the Lord allowed me to walk through and, and deal with. Now, for me, that was a problem. For some of you, that would be no problem whatsoever. The other thing that uh, Peter is going to tackle today is... Uh, is the doctrine of chosen. Are you chosen? Are you chosen of God or are you not? And he tackles that. He, in the very first verse, he talks about those who are scattered abroad who are chosen. Who is chosen. We're going to tackle that this morning as well. The third thing he talks about is the triune God, the, the Trinity, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, some people had said earlier in, 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 in history that, that Peter was a poor choice for an apostle because he was an ignorant fisherman. Now, he wasn't that he was a dumb person because he had a business, a thriving business, <clears throat> that went very well. He had people who worked for him in his fishing business. He had uh, those that, that, that were a part of his, if they had a company, I don't know what he had, but he had people working for him in the fishing business. So he, he wasn't a dummy, but they thought he was ignorant to spiritual matters. How could a, a fisherman who's not been through any type of training understand the very deep things of God? And that had to be left to the rabbis and those who were the Sadducees, the Pharisees, those who, who thought they were very more religious than others. And he tackles these, these three doctrines right away, and he may, boy, he nails it. And I pray that God will bless you in, in this 
in this service, if, if any one of those things are troubling you, want to set you absolutely, utterly free from anything that might stop you from really enjoying your most greatest privilege that, that anyone has ever received, and that is a, a very clear, conscienced walk with God. That you might know that you know that you know Him. And nothing will stop you or, or move you from that wonderful feeling of knowing that you know Christ. <clears throat> Let me read with you, please, the first two verses. And you'll see what I'm trying to say much more clearly from Peter himself. Peter first introduces himself as an apostle. Peter, he says, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, so that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. I pray for that for all of us. That grace and peace would truly be ours in the fullest measure. Let's pray and let's tackle this wonderful place in Scripture. We had a, a really interesting introduction to Peter last week, and, and now we get to see the meat of what he wants to convey. And by the way, it only gets so much better from there on. I mean, I, I, it's like a, you know, like a, a, a bad commercial, you know, come next week. I don't want to do that because I, I don't like anybody that ever does that type of stuff. I like to take this week in and of itself. But what, as you'll read on and you'll, you'll read through this great, great book, you're going to see it just gets unbelievably rich and beautiful as Peter shares his heart. Father, would you please, with that in mind, open up our hearts and minds so that we might behold wonderful things wonderful things that come through your word and father let me not take us astray not even not even a step not even a no not not even a, a little bit and for that to happen father would you please move me aside allow us here to be taught by confronted by the very spirit of god who will not only convict us but comfort us in in any difficulties that we might be going through and and conform us, Father, into the image of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you for this privilege. What a wonderful group of people. Father, I can't, I can't even tell you. To see Bob back there with his sweet wife, and after all that he has been going through, Father, and, and, and to come to church, and uh, wow, it's so good to see him. I pray you'll continue to heal him, Father. And... Um, Last night, for, for Roy, who, who was in church, after he had a heart, he had to go rush to the hospital for a, a heart failure. And, and yet he, he, he was fine. They let him go. They put a, a thing on him, Father, and he came here to serve and be an usher. I'm, I'm blown away by people that, Father, just absolutely love you. And I pray that, Father, we will, we will make them feel as comfortable, Father, as possible. And so, Lord, just bless this time. Thank you for everyone here. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I, I, I do that every once in a while. I go off on a tangent, and I ask your forgiveness. And I have to draw my own self back because I don't have my kids at the table saying, Dad, you know, 
that's that's when I used to pray for dinner. They go, oh no, oh no. Anyways, um, Peter identifies himself first as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, in the New Testament, the, the verses that identify Peter are are many, and and when he is mentioned, he is mostly mentioned as the first apostle mentioned, or at least in the top three. In the book of Matthew, the 10th chapter, Mark, the 3rd chapter, Luke, the 6th, Acts, the 1st, it emphasizes that, that our Lord called Peter to be the leader of the 12. He was the leader of those great, wonderful men. And so Peter, in verse 1, mentions those that were scattered abroad, those who were scattered throughout, look what he says in verse 1, Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. These were all places that they went to that were located in Asia Minor, which we would call today as Turkey. So that's where they were, in that general vicinity. And Peter, 1 Peter, had a wide circulation. It didn't go just to those one, two, three, four, five places. It, it went other places as well. And in every place it went to, Peter had a purpose for his letter, and that was to, to comfort those who had to be scattered from their homes and go elsewhere because they were so persecuted in Rome. Now, in the news just this week, there are people that are, are being confronted because they're not Muslims, is it? And, and they are, are to convert to that or they will lose their lives. They better get out of there. They are experiencing what is written here in First Peter. Just as our, our Lord, through Peter, desired to comfort those people then, First Peter was written to comfort you and me in whatever it is that we need today. For example, I say to you, there were many more churches. This letter also went to the seven churches that are mentioned in Revelation verses, chapters 2 and 3. Those were the, the great seven churches of Revelation. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Seven churches that were mentioned in the book of Revelation. And this letter went to them as well. People who were scattered in different places. In fact, the church in Colossae in Asia Minor also received this letter. And so in reality, Peter's letter was written to a huge number of believers now living as scattered spiritual aliens across the land of Asia Minor and beyond what we would call modern Turkey. And his purpose was, was simple. It was to comfort them in their grief. Assure them of their faith. Comfort them in their sorrow if they had lost a loved one. And so many of us go through that difficulty as well. Well, you've got to throw me all off center if you can sit right up there every week now with your sweet daughter and wife. Hmm. Checking me out, are you? <laughs> Anyways, so the, the, there were, those letters went to, 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 to so many people to comfort them and and. and I'm certain that you and I need comforting. Like last night when, when Roy was here after he had served as an usher, his, his dear wife was sitting beside him. And, and, and I'm, I'm certain that he suffered going to the hospital and all that. 
But, uh, but he didn't suffer anything like his wife did, wondering what is going to happen to her husband. And when I said that last night, boy, she just beamed with a smile. You got it. You got me. Uh, I am suffering for my husband. It makes sense. And so Peter wants to comfort you and me. And he's going to comfort us in the best way he knows how. As, as he says in verse 1, you are aliens, you are fellow believers, scattered spiritual aliens living far away from what is your real true home. And that's not in Rome. It's in heaven. That's where, you, that's where we belong. You see, Paul reminded them in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, our citizenship, your citizenship, your citizenship, my citizenship is in heaven. That's our home, folks. We're just passing through. We are just spiritual aliens passing through this place called earth. Paul says we, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Now I realize when I say that, like I, I wish that I wish the Lord would come back today and take us away. But that's because I'm old. You who are younger, you say, well, let, let's wait a little while here. I'm going to live a little bit. I get it. I do. I understand. I get it. There's something about getting older and just can't wait to be with the Lord because it hurts to get up in the morning. It never used to. I used to bounce up in the morning. No way anymore. No, no way anymore. There's going to be time where I'm going to have to get some guys in there just to grab my arms and pull me up. You can make it. Come on. Uh, so, so Paul and Peter are saying, our citizenship is not here. I know you're scattered across Asia Minor, but your citizenship is in heaven. That's where you really belong. Come to understand that, he is saying. And, and I, want to, I want you to remember now that, th- that they're going through difficulties. They're going through, through trials and persecution and sorrow and grief is not something that was new. They were forewarned. You and I are forewarned. We ought to be forewarned as believers that just because you and I come to Christ doesn't mean that everything's going to be a wonderful, smooth road. Don't you wish it was? But it's not. No, Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, For you, for you, it has been granted for the sake of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but to suffer for His name's sake. Come on, Paul, give us a break. It's wonderful to believe in Him. It's, it's absolutely the best to believe in Him. But I've got to suffer too? Yeah, John, you do. So, back to 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter then dives into what is, for some, very provocative words. Peter says, I'm writing this to those of you who are chosen. Peter wanted the believers to remember that in the midst of their persecution, in the midst of their trials, in the midst of their grief, they were still chosen by God. Therefore, they could face any and all persecution, any and all difficulties with victorious hope, knowing that, that we belong to Him and He loves us. That's the, that's the anchor that you and I must hold on to 
during times of difficulty. Must. We are chosen of God. Peter will remind them and us later as we get into this book, into the fourth chapter. In fact, flip over a couple pages to chapter 4. And read with me verses 13 and 16 and see how blessed we truly are even in the midst of our sufferings. He says in 1 Peter 4.13, can you believe this? To the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Really? That's what it says. So that at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Look at verse 16, just a couple of verses later. But if anyone suffers as a believer, that word if is translated since. But since people suffer as a believer, do not be ashamed, but rather glorify God in His name. There's a purpose for you and me going through these difficulties. And in the midst of them, you and I are actually called to try to figure out what that is. What is that that the Lord wants me to rejoice in this terribleness that I'm going through? What is it? I'll be honest with you. There's a couple of things that I'm going through right now that I don't know the answer to it. I can't figure it out. It doesn't make any sense. And it's driving me batty. It is. I don't get it. Thank goodness our Lord said, Why? Why have you forsaken me? Because I've... Why comes out of my mouth every once in a while? I don't get it. I don't. But there's a lesson in it. And one day the Lord's going to teach me it. And I wish it would be sooner than later, to be honest with you. But I'll wait on His timing on that. <clears throat> I want you to know that because I want you to think like some pe- pre- preachers will preach, you know, with enough faith you can go through anything. I'd like to kick them right in the bottom, wouldn't you? That's not true. Enough faith. Or only non-believers will go through difficulties. You as a believer, everything will be fine. Bed of roses, don't worry about it. It's not true. That's bad theology that's being taught by some. The Bible says to the degree that we share in the sufferings in Christ, keep on rejoicing. So as the scattered spiritual aliens, to those who are away from from their home, the most important thing Peter wanted them to grasp was not their relationship to this earth. And that's what I think I'm trying to say to us this morning through the Lord. Our relationship is in heaven. It's not here. That's where our citizenship truly is. It's in, re- it's in relationship to our heaven and our God. And the good part is in return, His relationship to us is that He holds us. He holds us gently, tenderly in His arms, never letting us go. You see, Abraham, back in the Old Testament, and in in, 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 back in, in when Abraham left, but it's mentioned in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, it said, by faith, verse 9, by faith, Abraham lived as an alien. See, he also was scattered from his home. He lived as an alien in the land of promise, as a, 
in a foreign land Abraham lived, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise that was given to him. But the next verse is killer. The next verse says everything about Abraham. Abraham, it says, was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder was God. That's what he was looking forward to. He could go through the trials here on this earth, and he knew he was going to go through them, and that was a part of his life. But that wasn't his totality. His totality was one day he would be with his Lord who was the architect and the builder of this place we know as heaven. And He will welcome you and me there with open arms. The saints of old looked forward to that time to be with their God, just as you and I do today. So, if you're still in 1 Peter chapter 1, I want you to look at chapter 2 of 1 Peter for a moment, because... That idea of being chosen is mentioned again. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen race. But that's not all. Look, he says you are also a royal priesthood. You are also a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. Why? Why are we all of this? So that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us, note, out of darkness into His marvelous light. Folks, that's talking about believers. We've been called out of darkness into the light of God. And the purpose that you and I have been called out of this darkness into light and that we are a chosen people are to proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you and me into faith. We're not the only one that God has chosen, by the way. God chose Israel. You know that, don't you? It says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, He said to Israel, You are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you. He chose the nation Israel to be a people for His own possession. Out of all the people on the face of this earth, He chose Israel. He chose the Jews. Not only us, not only Israel, but He chose to establish the church. He says that in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians, excuse me, no, about, about those in Ephesus, but he, he mentions it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Please forgive me, it wasn't Ephesians. It was 2 Thessalonians 2.13. He says, We should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for a salvation through sanctification that means being set apart we are as a group of people set apart by the grace of god by the spirit and faith in the truth and the only truth there is that you and i know is jesus christ that's the truth we read about him in the bible we get to understand who is the very truth that has been given to us by god so that we can believe in the truth I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. And no one can come to the Father but through me. Isn't that great? What a great verse. I think that's John 14. Where's Karen Thompson when you need her? <laughs> I think it's John 14:7. But I shouldn't have done that because I didn't have a note. In fact, I went off note. The way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus. 
Now, we see that God has chosen us, believers, Israel, the nation, and the church, these three. Some become concerned over that idea of being chosen. And they question, they ask of God, am I called? Am I chosen? Let me ask you a question, very sincerely a question. Have you asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin? Have you asked Him into your heart? Well then, if you have, you are chosen. You are chosen. For me, it it is important in my life to have a date to that time that I asked Christ into my heart because... As I mentioned to you before, at the first of my time of a, of a believer, I was worried over the security of my salvation, that I might lose it. I might lose it. And so in my Bible on the back page, back here where I have some very important dates written down, this is in the very back page, I wrote down, I came to Christ on March the 12th, 1973. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I nailed it. I nailed it. You know why I did that? And that was the exact time. I remember when I asked Christ into my heart there in Honolulu, Hawaii, I was so frightened of what I did that I looked up and I saw the clock and it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I thought to myself, now you did it. Now you did it. And the first utterances that came out of my mouth is, will I be able to live up to what I've just accepted? What I didn't want to be was a hypocrite. What I didn't realize that all of us, to one degree or another, are hypocrites. But I didn't want to be one of those hypocrites. I wanted to follow up on my commitment to Christ. For me to have that, that day written down in my Bible is important. You might need that. You might need that day. So when you and Satan attacks you and say, boy... If you're, if you're a Christian, you sure are a poor example. I doubt that you're a Christian. I used to go to the back of my book and said, Oh, no, Satan. On March the 12th, 1973, I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior and to forgive me all my sin, and even that one you're trying to convict me of. Get behind me, would you please? Get behind me. I needed that day. Today's July, July the 27th. It's 9.48 in the morning. I don't know of a better time or day, and the year is 2014. I don't know of a better time or day than to give your heart to Christ than right now. I'm not through with the message. I'm going to give you more assurances. But I want to ask you, if you're here this morning and you're investigating this thing called Christianity, I want you to know it's real. But you'll have to learn that it's real. And we will try to teach you here at this church. If you give us an opportunity, we will not teach you about us or our denomination. We don't have one. Or our religious traditions. We don't have a lot of them. We'll just teach you about Jesus Christ, period. And what the Bible has to say about your Savior. We want you to know Him. He wants you to know Him. And so today, July the 27th, 
the year 2014, and now it's 949. What a great number to write down, 949. I like that. You can ask Christ into your heart. He promises that He will come. He will then call you chosen of God. I'm going to take a minute. I'm just going to one minute go, and I'm not going to say a thing, and, and let you talk with God. There might be some of you here that needs to ask Christ into your heart. Father, there, uh, I pray there's people here who are just uh, coming to that understanding of, of needing to ask you into their hearts, and I pray that you'll bless them by that. Father, that um, let them be assured of what they have done, and let us help them in any way that we can. If they need a Bible, we'll give them one. Whatever it is, Father, we'll help. So now, bless us, Father, as we go continuing in this service. So, how do you know if you're chosen or not? That, that is a wrestling match because there is, a, there is like a, a group of people say that some are chosen and some are not. Well, I want you to read with me, or listen to me, at John chapter 6, verse 37. In John chapter 6, verse 37, it says, All that the Father gives to me will come to me. That is what Peter and our Lord Jesus Christ and the rest would call election or chosen or the foreknowledge of God. But verse 37 doesn't stop there. Verse 37 continues by saying, And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. That is your part in your salvation. You come to Christ and you ask Him into your heart. Ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. The rest of that place in Scripture, verse 38 says, Jesus says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who has sent me, Jesus says. And this, He says, is the will of Him who sent me, that all that He has given to me, I lose nothing, but will raise them up on the last day. I want to talk about the assurance of your faith. Yesterday during the service, right there in the first row where Michael is and his beautiful wife, there was um, a, one of the guys that helps with the, uh, with the, the, chil with the children department, the guy that's pretty tatted and, and just that guy you just love so much. Sean, and he was holding his baby. And I was talking and I, I, I made mention to the people there last night that that baby's not holding on to Sean. Sean's got that baby safely in his arms and he was feeding him some milk. And uh, that's the picture that you should have of you and Christ and of God. He's assured you that He has you in His arms as long as you think you're holding on to Him. It'd be like that baby thinking he's holding on to his daddy, Sean. It is Sean who has the baby. It is the Lord that has you and me in His arms. He wants you to be assured of that. He doesn't want you to be shaken by that. 
It goes on to say in John chapter 6, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And he says, uh, I will raise that person up on the last day. Another marvelous assurance from our Lord. Then it says in verse 45, listen to these words. Listen very closely. It is written, Jesus said, that they shall all be taught of God. And everyone, everyone, Jesus says, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father will come to me. You're that everyone. This world is that everyone. Our main reason here at this church is to teach you the Bible line upon line, word upon word, is so that you might hear. And in hearing, you might learn. And in hearing and learning, you might turn to your only chance of salvation, Jesus Christ. Not the church, not being a nice person, not giving to uh, to good things, um, just loving Jesus Christ and allowing Him to make you into that person that He has created you to be. And so Jesus says, everyone who is taught of God, who has heard and learned, shall come to Me. I believe that. That's why we center on teaching the Bible. And that alone. Now sadly, let me finish this all out. Many people never feel this assurance of their salvation because they have never been truthfully taught the whole scripture of suffering. Consequently, they think that suffering only comes to non-believers or to those who without strong enough faith and they feel lost in all of that. That's not what we want from you. That's not what the Lord wants from you. The security of a believer and trials and suffering go hand in hand. You're going to experience it whether you want to or not. And we are taught that this suffering that we go through as believers in Jesus Christ will produce joy. (laughs) I don't get it. I just read it and believe it. Listen to James. James chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. James says, I am a bondservant of God and of my Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. So there is more scattering that James is writing to. He says in verse 2 of James chapter 1, verse 2, you might want to look at it. Consider it all joy, my brethren... When you encounter various trials. Come on, Jimmy, give us a break. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Here's why. Knowing that the testing of your faith is going to produce endurance. And endurance, which is born through going through various trials, will have its perfect result in our lives. So that... In verse 4 of James chapter 1. So that you may become, watch now, perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. What the Lord wants to do to you and me as we go through any difficulties we go through. Further proof, we read in Romans just a while back in the 5th chapter, verses 1 through 5. Paul says, having been justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've also obtained our introduction into faith, into this grace by which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Not only this, Paul wrote, you might have forgotten, in verse 3 of Romans chapter 5, we exalt, exalt in our tribulations, knowing that through our tribulations, our trials, our, our sufferings, will bring about perseverance in our life, or endurance, as James said. And perseverance will give us proven character. And proven character will build into your life and my life hope. And hope, Paul writes, in the fifth verse of Romans chapter 5, will not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So look what the Lord promises to those of us who are going through difficulties. He wants to bring us through our faith perfection, completion, that we would be lacking in nothing, that we would be exalted in our tribulations and our trials, and through it all, He will bring about perseverance, proven character and hope, and the love of God through the Holy Spirit. Look, believer, you are chosen of God. And because of your faith, you will go through trials. And that does not mean that God has given up on you. On the contrary, it means that God is building you into a much stronger individual in your faith. And so, James says, find joy in that. Paul says, exalt in that truth. So therefore, what I would say to you and to me is stop blaming God for what you're going through. Or don't even blame yourself. Rather, let it bring about its perfect result. So that you and I would become perfect, complete, lacking in nothing, proven character, hope, love of God through the Holy Spirit who was given to us because you and I are chosen chosen of God. How? Verse 2. That's a long time in verse 1, wasn't it? Verse 2. I'll get back through that a little bit quicker. Because according to the foreknowledge of God, by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with His blood... Paul says, may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. In, first, in verse 2, Peter immediately presents the doctrine of the triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The foreknowledge of God the Father, the sanctifying work of God the Holy Spirit, and the, uh, the obeying and the being sprinkled by the blood of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, since God is sovereign, I think you'll agree to that. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-sovereign God. If, if you don't know that, you should study it because He is. Since He is, let me just say that. You and I, therefore, must conclude that He can do anything He wants at any time He wants to. He has the plan for yours and my future in His hand. Therefore... Long ago, God decided to create the universe. He never asked you or me or anyone else whether we thought that was a good idea. He just did it. 
after he created the universe, he then decided to create mankind. He never asked you or me if we wanted to be born. Here we are. Had no choice in the matter. Here we are. Nobody asked you or me, do you want to be born? I don't think they did. I don't know, no, I don't know if anybody did. Here I am. When God decided to make you and me as a person, when He created mankind, He also created the fall of mankind. Knowing that when He created mankind and giving mankind a free will, mankind would fall into sin. He knew that. Nobody had to ask Him, why did you do that? He did it. Don't know why. But when man chose to disobey God, God had made an an arrangement of winning back your soul. He did that through something he calls salvation, I guess. He decided to elect some to come to salvation through his Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he would save those who came to his Son, calling them us elect, chosen Dr. McGee writes, you can call them anything you want, but God calls them chosen. You can call them believers, followers of Christ. You can call them anything you want, believers. God calls us chosen. Chosen. So some might say, he didn't choose everybody. Dr. McGee writes, I don't find that anywhere in Scripture. Don't find it in Scripture. He says, all you have to do is look at John chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 11. Where John chapter 6, it says, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will in no way cast them out. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus Christ says, come to me, all. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Dr. McGee writes, those are legitimate invitations to the world. Everyone. That was God's part in your life and my life. The chosen are those, that's your part, my part now. Will you come to Him? At 9.49 in this morning, those of you that didn't know Christ before you walked in here, did you come to Him? If you did, and asked Him for the forgiveness of your sin, you are chosen of God. He gave of His Son for you and for me. Now, if you neglected to do that at 9.49, it is now 10.04, and you have another opportunity. Is that an amen? That's pretty good. going to get you coming and going. Not really. I'm not trying to contrive any of this. If you hear God speak into your heart, give Him it. Listen, you'll, you'll, you'll never... You'll never experience anything quite like it. Is it going to be easy? Nah. No. Honestly, no. It was a little easier when I was a non-believer, to be honest with you. I was telling Jeff Ochoa a story and, and Randy a story about when I was a non-believer. I'm not going to tell you, but I, I was telling them a story when I, before I came to Christ, and it was so good to sin. It felt right. I couldn't do what I did then today. I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want you to be obedient to the Lord. We have nothing else here to this church to offer you.
Nothing. What do we have out there, man? Anything else? Anything better, special? No? Maybe that's why you're here. <laughs> we have nothing really to offer you other than our, your salvation. And then after that, we want you to hear and to learn about your Savior. You'll fall so deeply in love with Him that the trials you go through will be, I wish I could say minimal. I can't. Because if I did, I'd be lying to you. Because I would like to get rid of my trials so much, I can taste it. I can't yet. But knowing that this is not my home, knowing that I'm going to someday be with him forever in heaven, I'll make it through. I will. So will you. Come to Christ. 1006. Father, thank you for this morning. Peter's just off the charts great. He wanted the people that were scattered to have hope. That's what he wanted. He wanted to have hope in their suffering. And the only hope that he could offer them was that their, their home wasn't this earth. Where they were scattered from wasn't their home. Their home is in heaven. And so he wanted them to know that in their hope they were chosen of God. Chosen. Come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are heavy laden. And the one who comes to me, Jesus says, I will in no way cast out. Come, be chosen of God.